Hello, Cultured viewers. We're back for another episode, and today we have an extraordinary guest. I know I always say my guests are special, but this one, this one's extraordinary. It is none other than Coach Kofi on the podcast today. We laughed. We got emotional. He gave us amazing advice and such funny stories. Can't wait for you guys to listen to the episode. Give it a like. Give it a follow. And more importantly, let us know if you could relate. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. As you know, a lot of people want to hear your story because we know you <laughs> as we know you as the cool guy in school. Uh, you know, people, people go to you to rant, seek advice, you know, or just chill and genuinely yeah. have good conversation. And you know, you lived in in a lot of places, as I've seen. And I was actually very shocked. Mm-hmm. I think this is the biggest places that people have moved to. So yeah. I really want to get into that today. 100%. Yeah, cool. So then you were yeah. born in Ghana, lived in Loseto, Cameroon, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Kenya, US, back to Ghana, India, Canada, back to Kenya, back to Canada, Senegal, UK, and finally returned to Senegal. Yeah. That's so crazy. Like when, when someone tells you your parkour, like what do you what do you think of that? It is, you know, I try not to think about it. Mm-hmm. My mom said something very interesting to me Mm. in 2005. Mm. I remember, you know, my dad had passed away. So I moved back to Ghana to be with my mom and just be there for, you know, emotional support. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I said to my mom, hey, you know, I met this this lady that I really like, but I'm really tired of moving, man. I said, I've been doing it my whole life. I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and she said to me, it's funny because you staying in one place is not in your DNA. So the idea that you think that you want to stay in one place is never going to happen. And she is right. It's there's an itch that develops after a certain amount of time. And I usually don't leave places. I only go if something else pulls me somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah. And so a lot of these moves have been about being pulled somewhere else. My grandfather used to tell me that I needed to touch all five continents before I died. Yeah. And so that's still my my objective is still still to live on each continent. I haven't done Australia. South America yet. And uh you know, as for Australia, I might have to put an X on that. Um unfortunately, <laughs> I've said no. Nope. <laughs> New Zealand, yeah, but Australia, I don't know if I can uh, I can do Australia. Um, yeah. That's so funny that you say that because I've felt the same way like I'm in Ireland currently and I was like, this is it. I'm staying here. I like, I want stability. You know, I like it. It's peaceful. This is where I'm at. And then five years later, I'm like, I need to move. It's it's not doing it for me. I need to move somewhere else. Um, I feel like you get too comfortable and then you get the itch to just want to move away. Like you said. Exactly. And if I asked you where you're from, what would you say? You know, it's kind of interesting because people throw this term around mm-hmm. without really realizing that some of us truly are this. Mm-hmm. I was raised to be a Pan-Africanist. So it didn't matter where my feet landed in Africa. Mm-hmm. I was the son of the soil, whether I was in Cameroon, in Zimbabwe, whether I was in Ghana, whether I'm in Senegal, whether I'm in Kenya, yeah. I'm rooted in that. And so I am Pan-African. I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, I was born in Ghana. I love Ghana. That's home. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my vibe. That's that's who I am. 
but I'm also so much of all these other places that I've lived in. Um, and they've all played a very important role in shaping the fabric of who I am. Absolutely. And I embrace and I love it. I love, you know, I believe in a united Africa, but I also believe that we're such different people. Very that true. I don't just celebrate that diversity and not mm-hmm. look at it as, as a, a similarity in our phenotype, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the similarity for us is, you know, I think on this continent is we've always loved food, we've yeah. loved music, and we've yeah. loved family. That's you true. Know? Um, yeah. So when I think of Africa, that's what I think of. Yeah. You know? No, that's a, that's an absolutely great answer. I, I think for a lot of third culture kids, it's very hard for them to decipher where they're actually from. You've lived in all these African places, and then you go to the U.S., Yes. What's the culture shock? How did you feel once you went to the U.S.? You know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really hard to to look when when I when I went. I'll be honest with you, I was very confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it was from an identity standpoint. You mm-hmm. know, I grew up knowing that black people from different places are different, yeah. right? Yeah. I knew that black British is different. Mm-hmm. I knew that black Ghana is different. You know, black Cameroon is different. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, black Asia is different. But when I went to the U.S., there was this underlying tone in which people spoke to me in which there was like, you're black. You're all the same. Yeah. And I'm like, no. But at the same time, I didn't know how to defend that. I, it, I just I didn't know how to be able to say, hey, 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 look, man. Black folks here in the U.S., black folks in Africa are different. In the U.K., different. Germany, different. Brazil, different. Portugal, different. Italy, Mm -hmm. different. You know, Mm -hmm. it was basically the ultimate of stereotyping. True. And uh, for me, it was, I mean, going in to, to, you know, your your college roommates, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, asking you, hey, you know, where do you live? Y'all got wild animals around you. And, you know, you, for me... For, for stupidity's sake, I was like, yeah, I got flies in my <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, my dad yeah. is the king of Zamunda. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it was really wild how, un, I don't want to say uneducated, but unaware Americans mm-hmm. were of the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, if it was in Cancun or if it was in Mexico, then yeah. no jack. Mm-hmm. I present myself and um, I am, okay, first of all, the way I dressed was very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my school, people saw me wearing, you know, a khaki shirt, a t-shirt, you know, sneakers, mm-hmm. and they're looking at me like I'm a preppy white boy. And I'm looking at them like, damn, you you got it all, you got it all twisted. The wrong. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm a part of my environment. Yes, I was influenced by Europe, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm not influenced by, you know, wanting to sag my pants. I, yeah. I have no relation to that. I have mm-hmm. no culture on on why I would want to do that. And I'm not just going to blindly copy um, what I see other people doing, you know? And so that was a shock in itself because, you know, black folks didn't, they were like, oh yeah, you different. You ain't, you're not one of us. White folks were like, oh, you one of them. And I'm like, exactly. You don't know where to put yourself. But, but what do you think is this obsession with, and I'm not saying for every African person, but a lot of African people, they feel like, uh, the US or Europe is like the place to be, but they don't realize what they have back home is better yeah. sometimes, you know, than yeah. than being yeah. abroad. Where do you think that comes from? 
you know it's because you you're we're 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 sold um or we receive all this messaging through the media mm-hmm. um through politics through education mm-hmm. in which Europe and North America is the mecca of uh I guess human existence right mm-hmm. it's the apex it's like yeah. they tell you oh if you want to make it in an industry if you don't make it in Hollywood you haven't made it and I'm like no not necessarily yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could name Indian Bollywood stars who don't sell a, a movie in the U.S., but in in India, you, you they could even sneeze, and without people not knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. they're alive. Yeah, you know. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It's 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 what we're sold on on imagery, like what you see in TV. You know, when I was coming up, you know, your MTV raps was a thing. Yeah. So watching yeah. that, you're seeing. You know, naughty by nature. You're seeing so so deaf records. You're mm-hmm. seeing Puff Daddy. You're seeing all these things. And you're like, oh, it's like that. Yeah, I you want know? that. And meanwhile, you're. Tr- I mean, for us, I would say, and people like you too, mm-hmm. we're trapped in this paradigm in which we're at international schools. So culturally, we're not grounded in the countries that we're living or we're from. We're That's grounded in the culture which we receive in this messaging. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we can relate to hip hop, you know, and yeah. we can relate to some of the TV shows and stuff like that. And so it was less of a shock and an understanding where I was like, I actually know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand you. You unfortunately don't understand me. Quick intermission, everybody. You, yes, you, if you are in university thinking about university or your kid is going to university, you probably want an unfiltered, unaffiliated perspective of the university that you guys want to go to. Cultured Views will be partnering with, drumroll, UniTrue. So they offer virtual tours and consultations for the university that you're interested in. And you can pick your guide based on the background, language, origin, involvement, and more. Instagram at the underscore UniTrue. Use the code CULTUREDVIEWS for 25% off your first consultation. We know not everyone has the funds to be traveling around the country to go visit universities. So sign up now, use your code, and go on Instagram and let them know that Cultured Views sent you. Bye! You lived in the U.S., you went back to Ghana, and then you went yeah. to India. Yeah. How did India go? Why did you go to India? And what was the difference between India and the other places that you you lived in before? India. First of all, I went to India because um, I got married. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my wife was posted to the, uh, the ah, mission in Delhi. Okay. So I was like, okay, let's... Let's let mm-hmm. me do this. I mean, I mean that, that was the conversation I had with my mom where I was like, hey, do I follow her or do I not? And my mom said to me, you're crazy if you think you're not going to follow her because in a few months, you're going to tell me, hey, mom, I'm bored. Exactly. Right. And so that's when she said to me, you better get used to the idea that you're going to move for the rest of your life. And you don't necessarily need a home to have a home. Home wow. is where you put your head mm-hmm. and home is where you're valued. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, OK, I guess that's what it is. Um, but yeah, India, eh. <laughs> there is nothing on earth yeah. that could have prepared me for, for life in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. No experience in the world that I'd been through. Mind you, I'd lived in so many different countries. Yeah. Mind you, I'm not, I've not even mentioned the countries that I've traveled through. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen uh, 
I've seen poverty and I've seen extreme wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that prepared me for India. Um, oh. It was an overload on your senses in every imaginable mm-hmm. way. Um, wow. Sight, sound, smell, touch. Um, mm-hmm. I, The one thing I did take away when I left India was like, if you did not experience the highs and the lows of India and you weren't being bombarded on a daily basis, you were basically living in a bubble because you weren't in India. Okay. In yeah. a place where you just go and exist. No, you're either loving it or you're hating it. But you, and you're mm-hmm. going to fluctuate between that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be even cool being like, oh, yeah, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. No, it's uh, you go through those extremes. Um, wow. But also from a cultural standpoint, nothing prepared me to be in a place where uh, culture was so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. having lived in places that I lived in, you know, you come across the Indian community, you know, and yes. you know, Everywhere you, you go to Indian restaurants and all these things, but until you get there, you're like, oh my goodness, this is hardcore, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and uh, it gives you a whole new respect for what they do, and then it also gave me a whole new respect for where I came from. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. feeling lucky that I was born in Africa. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until I moved to India when people, you know, I started looking at numbers, and people told me there's more people in poverty in India than the population of Africa. Wow. And I hadn't thought about that. And I was like, yeah, you are right. So here we are being painted wow. as this dark continent. Yes. Um, but yet you've got other places that have these huge swaths of of, of poverty. Yeah. Um, but at that point, India is being rebranded as an Asian tiger. And Africa is still being seen as that, you know, backward, you know, village place. <laughs> and... Yeah. And I hate to say it, man. I was I was happy to go back to a village anytime I any any day. Yeah. I wanted yeah. that village. It was overwhelming, wow. especially as a person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um the caste system is quite strong in India. Yes. Um really hard to uh explain to people unless you actually experience it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my first experiences was being in a grocery store mm-hmm. and uh old lady was in a sh- she was carrying a shopping basket and she dropped the shopping basket. And me being me, yeah, being raised by my mom and my grandma, I say you always help mm-hmm. people. I'm mm-hmm. trying to help her put her stuff into her basket back. And she started like swatting at me. And I was like, yo, yo, hey, I'm just trying to help you out. She's like, oh, you might take my stuff. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, damn. Oh my you are still in the store. You haven't even bought the stuff yet. So how are you already claiming this? Like you own this and you haven't even bought that stuff yet. Like how am I going to be stealing from you inside the store? <laughs> belongs to the store. You know, um, so and it was crazy. funny as hell, but I was like, this is real, real ish. This is it. Wow. And you, you only know? hear this type of like perspectives amongst like black versus white. But you yeah. don't hear this with like Indians or Asians or people of color. Like that's that's quite crazy. And how do you think like Indian culture is similar to African culture? Because my best friend is from India. And I feel yeah. like that family bound is very strong, even with family and music. Yeah, same thing. And and, and spirituality. That's what mm-hmm. I say. I don't say religion, I say spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, because within every household, you know, there's a certain sense of uh respect for ancestors, mm-hmm. respect mm-hmm. for you know, your gods or your deities, whoever you whoever you pray to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's made sure that it's passed down. It's never one of those choices where in Africa they tell you, oh, do you want to be a Christian or not? Yeah, no. <laughs> you, like, you have to. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, wow. Until you get to a point where you can make a decision on yourself um, mm-hmm. and where you want to go. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was interesting, but I'll tell you what, I met mm-hmm. some of the most fabulous people um, in India. Funny story. Mm-hmm. My third weekend in India, I went to a party that a friend of mine who was part of the NGO circle yeah. invited me to um, at this person's house. They have a, a, a well, they, ordered, they had a bartender come in to, you know, serve drinks. I'm at the bar. Yeah. And I'm hearing this conversation going on behind me in Pigeon English. I hadn't seen a West African in like in three weeks, right? Yeah. So I was standing there looking at the bartender and I was saying to myself, please, God, when I turn around, I would <laughs> like to see some black West Africans. And I turn around and I see three Indian boys speaking the <laughs> deepest Pigeon English. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, you guys are totally messing with me right now. I was like, I was not expecting like your faces, you know, and it it just so happened. Those were three Indian boys who grew up in Nigeria and Lagos. Wow. And uh, their parents had been there, you know, for the take taken by the the, the British government or Mm -hmm. sent by the British government to run uh, Nigeria railways. One of Mm -hmm. them was ran a bottling factory. And so me and these three dudes became like the bestest of friends. And we we bonded over the fact that we were West African. I mean, they Mm -hmm. looked at themselves Nigerian. There was like, we were out and we were Oga, Oga, Oga all the time, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so it was, it was really, for me, I, I, I I think back to that and I actually thank those three guys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because from that point on was my experience in India changed. You know, wow. I felt like I'd found true friendship mm-hmm. and understand who understood who I was and I understood who they were, who they were. You know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it's so funny it was, because it, I feel like it's also easier for us to connect with people that are similar to us. You know, these are people yeah. that grew up in, a, in another place other yeah. than where they're from. And so for yeah. you to make that connection, it's it's easier. So it was it was wild, man. I. I'm still friends with him up until today. I mean, this That's is so 2003. Well, 2006. We're still tight. Well, unfortunately, one of us, um, he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it was actually my first year when I came to Senegal. And actually, the students at ISD really helped me get through this. Wow. Because my friend committed suicide. And it was, uh, yeah, it was tough. Wow. It was tough. Um, oh, those situations so are, it was, are so, so tough. Yeah, but it was it was your brothers. It was Jordan. It was Daryl. It was it was ISD boys that helped me through this. And I know a lot of them don't realize it, but yeah, that it I was it was it was hard. But yeah, being able to them, being able to be around them really helped me get through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll pause into the whole development of where you've lived. On that yeah. note, I feel like you had a lot of impact inversely on them. You know, when yes. you think about the fact that like Daryl moved to the UK, okay, he wanted to follow his his football career and everything. And then he finds himself going to your place like on the weekends and you were like a father figure to him. And then when you go back to Dakar, you see the boys and things. Unfortunately, Hans also passed away, but that's one of the people that, you know, you were also close to. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever reflect and think about that? And you're like, wow, I actually, you know, had a good relationship with the kids at the school you know yes um mm-hmm. you know one of my one of one of the things that motivates me 
the most is, you know, I haven't really been through the international school system mm-hmm. um, and not having teacher mentors yeah. or teacher friends, people that you could, you know, go back to and be like, yo, I messed up. I need some help. Yeah. And and the person will help you unconditionally. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're wrong or not, the right thing to do is to support that individual. Exactly. Uh, and so coming into ISD, you know, I came in as a teaching assistant. The first thing I noticed right off the bat is that these kids did not have that. Right. And I knew that this was something that I had always done in in other places where I'd been. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a natural progression. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Daryl and Jordan, like, you know, I, I always I tell them that because of my relationship with them, my relationship mm-hmm. with my son now is very different. Okay. I learned through them how mm-hmm. I needed to communicate. Yeah. You know, when he is getting off that age. And for for Seku to still be a part of Daryl and Jordan's life for me is like, this is what it's about. Because yeah, I know that if Seku needs some, he knows, okay, I, I go to Daryl. Mm-hmm. You know, I go mm-hmm. to Jordan. I, I can mm-hmm. I can I can rely on them. And I think if if, if we all did our part to help yeah. or provide that support to one person, then we we create a chain in which uh, we're all, I guess, bonded together. Yeah, and uh, helping each other out. These are like bonds that you'll have for life. Even Rodine, I think you and Rodine and who's the coach for basketball? Steph. There goes Steph. Coach Steph. Yes, is another one that will I feel like stay with them for life. You know. Yeah. And so going back to the places that you've lived in, you spent some time in the UK. Yes. How was the UK? Because I mean, UK was a bit different from all the other places that you've you've yeah. lived in. Eh, the UK was the realization of uh, a lot of fears. You know, they tell you, you know, in the US, all right, prejudice and racism is very elementary. Yeah, it's very loud. You know, people <laughs> wow, you know, doing kind of that that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so you know, you expected. You know, okay, okay. I know, I know. I could see you coming up. I can see yeah. you from. I know mm-hmm. what energy you have towards me. Mm-hmm. The UK was different because that was, it was another systemic type of, uh, like PhD level type racism. I already you know? know what you're trying to say. <laughs> I was like, why am I putting myself through this? Why am mm-hmm. I trying to uh, get approval from these colonial masters? Mm-hmm. I wasn't having that. And having been through what I'd been through too, I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you one of my first experiences, like mm-hmm. two days arriving in the UK with my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm living in West Hampstead, not a super diverse yeah. um, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I walked out to the, the library. Of course, we came with some suitcases, didn't have any books or anything for the kids. Right. So I was like, you know what, let's go to this library and let's go borrow some books. Mm-hmm. Um, we can entertain ourselves whilst we're home, right? I go to the library. I'm trying to join this library. And the woman behind the counter is looking at me, telling me, oh, she can't help me. She can't help you. She can't help me. She was like, you got to go home and uh, apply for it online and then come back with the uh, the, the, the the approval that yeah. they give you online. I'll be able to do that for you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, I don't have internet at home. We're new here. Can I use the public computers? Yeah. I'm staring at the public computers, the public library. Right. <laughs> She's like, nah, fam. I'm looking at her. I'm like, 
<laughs> it's a public computer. It's a public yeah. library. And she didn't want to help me. And so I was like, okay, let me figure out how I'm going to do this. So I went out, some small, these Turkish guys had a little internet cafe. I went yeah. and built and came back. I came back in. Now she's looking at me all salty, you know, not wanting to do it. So eventually she gives me my card. As soon as she gives me my card, this Chinese American girl walks in and is like, hi, I'm new to the neighborhood. I'm going to the university here. I live here and I wanted to join the public library. <laughs> Guess what this woman said? She said, okay. Oh, sit down. Let me help you out. I'm looking at her. I'm like, okay, no problem. I went downstairs because the kids library was downstairs. Yeah. I picked up some books. When I came back to check out, I went straight up to her and I was like, thank you very much for all the help you gave me with trying to get a library card. And I said, I know you are fear of black people, but right. I'll tell you this. If you block us from the institutions that are meant to give us an education, mm -hmm. then you will forever be scared at the street corner when you see a black person approaching. That's true. And you will be afraid because you think that they're a thug. But what you haven't thought about is you participated in forcing them down that road because you blocked off access to educational material that is supposed to be free. That's true. And she's looking at me all shocked, you know? And yeah. I was like, well, this is British racism for you. And I walked out. This is exactly what my life is going to be like. <laughs> two days? <laughs> yeah, this is day, this is day two, wow. you know? Um, and I mean, I've already come from ISD. We've already done the black at ISD. No, we haven't done black at ISD yet, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I already, I mean, when I left ISD, I was really sad because certain things had transpired with some people mm -hmm. at ISD that I was not happy mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And it was all about race. And I was like, here we go again, dealing with this race nonsense. Like, aren't we beyond this BS, you know? Everywhere uh, in Africa, in UK, in US, everywhere, India, everywhere you go. You know? Constant. Uh, and then going to, trying to find a job. Mm -hmm. And then being, oh, would you like to be a playground supervisor? I'm like. Supervisor. When I was a teacher? Be like, you think I'm being super okay? And then they'll be like, oh, you'd be great for the schools in South London, South London, South London. I looked at one of them and I said to him, just so you know, you actually have more in common with those boys in South London than I do. Because yeah. I came and I come from a very privileged background. Yeah. These kids will look at me and be like, you who've been traveling around the world, they're putting you in front to make it moonlight like you're one of us. We know you're one of us. And I'm not trying to be one of you. No. Right? Um, I'm very proud of the fact that my parents were diplomats. Mm -hmm. I have a privileged upbringing. I'm going to celebrate their hard work. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm trying to be this hood dude. Hell no. <laughs> That's not how this works. <laughs> you know, my parents were no. hard for me to be able to fly if I wanted to fly. To yeah. have a pair of Jordans if I wanted a pair of Jordans. So I'm going to celebrate true. that. You know? <laughs> um, I'm not going to South London. That's ridiculous, Kofi. That's ridiculous. And But that, that was, that was, this was pre, uh, pre-COVID pre-George Floyd. Right, you know? okay. Um, and I was there when George Floyd happened and when COVID happened. Yeah. Those two together were massive. Yeah. They were massive, you know. Um, That's crazy. I, I, I learned I from being in England. I left after a year um, mm -hmm. and came back to Senegal mm -hmm. uh, um, because for my mental health and my wanting to continue to grow as a teacher, I knew that staying in London was not going to be it. It was great to reconnect. I have so many family members who live in London. Mm -hmm. So it was really good to reconnect with my cousins. It was good to reconnect with the part of London that I do enjoy, the arts, 
you know, yes. the music, the pubs, football uh, in the pub. Exactly. But the other stuff I just was just not, I was just not having. I was just like, no, this is not it. Yeah. You and know, it's sad it's just, because like you said, London has so much to do. I go to London every, every so often and I'm like, wow, this place is so rich with arts, culture, everything, party, restaurant, everything you want. It's in London. Yeah. And for you to go through that is is just disappointing. And what does it feel like to be finally back in Senegal? I I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I'd do backflips under my bed if I could, <laughs> you know. Um, Senegal just I, has something. The Being on this continent has something. Every time mm-hmm. I come back, it doesn't matter where I go. I'm just like, thank goodness. I'm not leaving. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. There's so much energy I get from the soil mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to think about moving away. It's really hard for me to think about moving away. Um, yeah. Senegal has provided me that happy medium where it's, I'm in West Africa. Mm-hmm. So I'm near Ghana. You know, I, I, I love the ocean. I'm next to the ocean. Yeah. I have a job that pays me well. Mm-hmm. Like, how do, you, how do you walk away from that? Unless something pulls me away. That's true. Like, why would I leave it? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Random question. This is onto yes. the next segment. Onto, like, your thoughts on keeping long-term friends while being a third culture kid. You're always moving around. How do you keep friends? It's hard, man. It's a lot of hard It's work. hard. You know, I, I've seen, I've got friends who I consider my best friends. I haven't mm-hmm. seen them in 15 years. But, I mean, now with WhatsApp, with exactly. Instagram, with all these things, you mm-hmm. can communicate a lot more. Yeah. Um, what I do with my friends, especially the ones who I'm super tight with, Mm-hmm. is I always tell them, I may not call you all the time, but I guarantee you, you're in my heart. Yeah, You're in my thoughts. You're in my fabric. When mm-hmm. I walk by, you know, my fridge, uh, I put pictures of people I truly care about. Yeah. Every time mm-hmm. I'm in my kitchen, I'm seeing these people. So it's that constant reminder of like, oh, you may not have talked to him last week, but you still got a thought for him. And it's the same thing with my other friends. And I tell them, hey, listen, we may not talk for a year, Mm-hmm. When we do talk, it shouldn't be like, oh, why didn't you call me? It should be like, yo, I don't want to hear good, it, bro. You know, um, <laughs> like, how has life been for you? Rather than, oh, why didn't you call me? Yeah. Like, yo, else? there's a lot happening in our lives. Yeah. That's true. Um, and we can't always be, and that's the thing is, your friends can't always be there for you. No. Um, physically, but you know that you can still participate in each other's lives and your thoughts. Um, and and in and in and in sentiment that you exchange with each other, you mm-hmm. know. Growing up, it would you would never hear people my age uh, saying "I love you" to uh, oh, each other, yeah. especially mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. You know, now with my with the friends that I have, even though they're African, it's crazy that yeah. we're all saying to each other, "You know, what, dude, I love you, dude. I love yeah. you, dude." You know, and yeah. it's and it. I feel so much better being able to say that mm-hmm. and we express that to each other. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, that's, yeah. And you know, that's the reason why I'm back on this continent is to, I kind of want us to change that back again. Mm-hmm. I feel like for a while, um, especially African men, we've been pushed down this route of this, is these. <laughs> you have to be days. tough, like, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, too much. you can't show love, you can't show care. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, I'm I'm changing the game. 
Yeah. I've always, you know, when my kids were born, I said to my kid, I said to myself, I would never lay my hands on my kids. Mm-hmm. But African dad to say that, do you never put your hands on your kids? Yes. It's tough. <laughs> tough. And yeah. guess what? Up until now, I ain't done that. But I told them, you won't cast these hands, but somebody else will. I'll we'll cast ca- somebody well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh, that's so good. But it's and but you know it's to show love to to mm-hmm. to the younger generation. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Africa is my retirement. I'm I don't have plans on living in Canada or the U.S. Any I plan on living on this continent. Yeah. And I always say that if this continent is not functioning right mm-hmm. when I'm old, then it's my fault. Yeah, because I've done my part to to bring the next generation to understand that. Hey, look, there is the old Mr. Kofi Zua that we need to take care of, you yeah. know, and make sure that that's right, you know. And that's all I want is. For the younger generation, whether they come back or not, they they give something back to this continent. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we are lucky as third culture kids to be privileged to to have the opportunities to have, you know, the educations that we've had to live in the places mm-hmm. that we had. It'll be a shame that we build other people's economies and yet we don't do anything to build our economy, like to build where we're from. Very true. Mm-hmm. You know, um, no, I hear you. And it doesn't have to be monetary. It does not have to be monetary. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, everybody mistakes is, oh, finance, finance. Like, no, it's about your heart and what you put into it mm-hmm. and what people, making people believe in where they come from, making people believe that they matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the de facto leaders. If we're not learning to be leaders, how do we lead the rest of the population who is here? Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's, uh, that's ab- absolutely true. Absolutely true. And coming into our last segment, yeah. um, is it time to settle down or where are you off to next? I don't know. I would like to go back to East Africa. Ooh. I would like to go back to South Africa. Mm-hmm. I went to Kenya and uh, Zanzibar for my spring break. And man, I fell in love with that region again. Yeah. You know? I've been talking to a friend who's in Mozambique. And I'm just like, man, I'd love to come back to Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Different. Very different. I've been there before. Different, different mm-hmm. African experience. Like I said, I'm Pan-African. So I'm trying to live that Pan-African life. Oh, for sure. Be yeah. that Marcus Garvey, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's what it is. You know, we can't talk about one Africa and yet we restrict ourselves to one side of the. That's true. Continent. It's not easy. You have to come out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. you know, because language is different. Food is different, but I'm like, that's what makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? In Ghana, I could drive an hour and a half into Northern region and I got a whole set of different people. That very you true. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if 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 I do that in my country, why not? You know, across international boundaries, I'm privileged enough to be able to move across international boundaries without having uh, too much of a, a roadblock around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I I don't know where next. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean that's now, a, that's a, that's a fair answer. Yeah, it's it's dictated by my kids, where where they will be comfortable. I'm raising them to be uh, Pan Africa as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I want them to know that this continent is is part of them. You know, yeah, they're half Canadian, but they they are. This is if they want to come back, yo, mm-hmm. don't hesitate. That's that's know. fantastic. And if you had to give one advice to third culture kids, what would it be? You don't need to define yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> A lot of times, people want us to define ourselves, and mm-hmm. and uh, and we can't because. We're such a, a, like, just a marsh of different, you know, cultures and experiences. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, and, and you can't pinpoint down to, to one thing that makes you a certain thing. You know, I would say, you know, people, people mistake uh, third culture as in you have to navigate this world with different filters yeah. every day. That's third culture. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to do that, then this world becomes easier for you because you can read people. I read people from afar. Um, I've yes. gotten really good at that. Um, <laughs> so what I say is as third culture, nurture yeah. your, 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 your superpower because most mm -hmm. of the world doesn't have that. Nurture that superpower and use it when you can. For your generation, mm -hmm. being flexible and not being fixated on who you are is very, very important. Absolutely agree. And thank you so much, Kofi, for being on the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, I hope you enjoyed your first episode. And for those of you coming back, thank you so much for coming back. Tell a friend to tell a friend and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Cultured Podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.